But hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Talk. Today is me and Eleanor. Hi. And we will be talking about some of my favorite Disney characters who also are in need of some some help. Yeah. Unfortunately. Some therapy, maybe. Um, the reason why we're kind of doing this topic as well, mainly because I love Disney, and because uh, with Disney characters, there's always quite a bit of trauma. Uh, similar to my shonen and anime um, kind of topic, it kind of serves as their origin story or their driving force, and then there's always some big moral at the end of it. But obviously, yeah. what comes of that is a lot of uh, a lot of trauma and a lot of potentially damaging experiences. Can you think of any situations like Disney movies where you're like, "Oh, that can be a bit." Oh. There's so many. That is the thing. That's literally like. I don't think. I think it, actually, the question would be: Is there a Disney film that doesn't have some kind of like major traumatic event pretty much at the start of the film? <laughs> I mean, no, there isn't really, is there? No, no, there must be one. Oh, you're actually trying to think. I'm at, hmm. I am gonna, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, I just tried to do five Disney characters because I felt like doing fifty would be a bit excessive. You yeah, know, we can't some, do every single Disney movie. Again. Some may say it's a bit excessive. I thought it was fine, but you know, I think it might be a bit excessive. So the first one is probably my fa- one of my favorite villains in terms of being terrifying, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty or mm. Maleficent from. Maleficent, I guess. Interesting pick. How much do you know about Maleficent? Um, well, recently, well, not recently, but obviously I've, I watched the new Maleficent film when it came out. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest, Sleeping Beauty wasn't one of my favourite, like, OG Disney movies, but... I mean, it was it made in the 1950s, and I was like in 1959. First of all, it's very old. Uh, you can tell by the animation, the voice acting. This is when they used to get just old women to play um, Disney characters. It was always old white women playing every Disney kind of um, princess at the time. Even the the younger ones as well. Yeah, considering Aurora was meant to be like a teenager or so, a young adult. It makes sense. But the, I guess the main thing about Maleficent is that what terrifies me is that while watching the original Sleeping Beauty a couple of times, She's just petty. Like, <laughs> she wasn't invited to the uh, coronation of, um, or the birth of Aurora. Yeah. So she came and then she put a curse on her that she's going to touch a spinning needle and then die. <laughs> and that was only reversed because of the good fairies. And I guess this is where it kind of comes into it, where it's a bit different. Because if you compare that to the Maleficent films, mm. where she has her origin story, it's like, well, her parents die first of all yeah and then so there's already it's not starting off too great nope (laughs) then she has her family which is like the the fairies of the forest and then she meets stefan the human guy and then oh yeah she does yeah she meets i couldn't i didn't think his name was stefan for some reason um so she meets stefan the human guy um they like i guess fall in love and then, but he has his own desires and he goes back to the human realm. Yeah. He then comes back, you know, years later. She's like, oh my God, he's back. Um, and now he, he like, he's like under the king of the human realm, human realm. And he's like doing some work for him. And then he like cuts off her wings instead of killing her and then goes back to the king to Hard show. Hard to prove that she's dead. Yeah, even though she's not. Yeah. Obviously top 10 anime portrayals oh my god yeah <laughs> massive plot twist there's so much trauma in there so the uh, but then with the uh, animated classic you don't get a lot of that backstory but i think some of the behaviors are the same 
she, in for different reasons, kind of wants to be adored. She wants that kind of attention. She wants to be involved. See, respectfully, respectfully. I would disagree. Go on. So to me, always what I took from um, Sleeping Beauty, the original, mm. was that, I mean, she was supposed to be a part of that community. She was, you know, she was supposed to be a part of that city, a, a part of that kingdom. But they exclusively left her out. And for what reason? It was never really explained. Mm. Other than, I think, I have a feeling that someone said, oh, she gives bad gifts or something. Like, that's yeah. kind of Okay. <laughs> So yes, I guess the reason behind why she was excluded, um, you know, there's lots of different interpretations of why. Yeah. Um, but let's just say she was unjustifiably excluded. If you were unjustifiably excluded from a group of people, you wouldn't go and curse their daughter, then would you? All right, but <laughs> maybe I wouldn't go and curse their daughter, but the feelings that I would have, I think would be similar. Yeah, but I guess it's like with any mental health condition, the feelings are always valid. The things are most of the time, they're valid. Yeah. You know, I, but it's the coping with it that. Yeah. Maybe so is it's like. Different people. And as human beings, we have a desire to be part of a group. We want to find where we belong. Yeah. Uh, but she shows, unfortunately, because she's probably been rejected multiple times on different occasions, even unintentionally, her parents dying and leaving her, in a sense, is like a betrayal. It's like a rejection. Even though it's, it's not that abandonment. Definitely. Well, yeah. It's like, it's some kind of. It's hard to deal with. Yeah. And then she gets that again. Obviously, it's. This is a more of a betrayal than an abandonment with Stefan. with Stefan, and then he becomes king, and it's like so he's having he gets everything he wants, and I am just alone. And then on top of that, she lost her wings as well from the Maleficent movie. I mean, she's at the start of it, she's always shown like flying around, interacting with people. She's I think he cuts off her wings, time. so yeah. like her wings are essentially her freedom. I would say a taking from her, obviously. There was a point when she gets her wings back, but that isn't the point. Yeah. No. As especially as a fairy of any sort, your wings are part of your identity. Yeah, very central to who you are. And to lose all of that, plus be betrayed by the guy you love. Well, I can imagine going a bit crazy, honestly. Yeah, but it's not like I'm blaming her for any of these things. But True. the results of this make sense. You see patterns in her behavior yeah. she now is very unable to deal with any type of rejection and i feel like this is obviously being very very assumptuous but if she has for example a smaller scale of rejection she would perceive that in a much bigger way yeah because any type of rejection she's always had has been massive or any type of abandonment they all kind of lumped together and that is where i would you know send her to therapy i don't know how recept i also feel like she would be someone who wouldn't be receptive to therapy in the beginning, yeah. but I feel like I could win her over. I think she would need that kind of moment of realisation, either kind of figuring out that, okay, maybe there's better ways of dealing with this, or that that's not who she kind of wants to be. She'd have to have a moment. Yeah, She'd have like, to have like a, a light bulb moment where it's like, actually, let's do something about this. I don't think you could tell her like the potential benefits and stuff and it would just convince her. I think it would yeah. be more of the sense of she has to be like, this is what, it's in her best interests. Yeah. Also, she may not have any kind of clue that, like, how big rejection is for her. Because That's Because it true. could feel very justified for her, her reaction to the whole kingdom basically shunning her for no reason. Yeah. To, you know, curse a tiny, tiny baby who did nothing to anyone. But I also feel that she can be a bit impulsive. So I yeah. think, um, I think 
you know, deciding to just curse, you know, someone's daughter because you're not only you're a bit upset, you're justifiably very upset, yeah. is a tiny bit impulsive. I think she can impulsively decide to come to the, the therapy seat. Mm, she might. But, she you know, might. that is our, our lovely Maleficent. Uh, would you like to introduce the next person? Because this is someone that I always say reminds me of you. Aww. And actually, this is my favourite Disney princess, Rapunzel. So obviously, mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all seen Tangled. It's a beautiful movie, brilliant songs. You'll be I'm surprised. Just... I think with our kind of age, like, generation almost, yeah. I feel like because it came out in 2011, there's still quite a few people who just hadn't seen it because that's when people started to phase out from Disney. Mm. But Rapunzel's a great. Maybe. If you haven't seen it... Definitely go watch it. Uh, everyone loves Rapunzel. She's one of the nicest princesses. She's got a heart of gold, but she's also very naive. She is, because, I mean, she spends most of her life trapped in a tower. Yes. With only her mother, yeah. in quotations. Mother Gothel. Mother Gothel. And this is where it kind of comes to... There's a lot of things that can come from being locked in a tower. I mean, that's why I even go into the fact of the whole developing social skills and social yeah. norms and not being around other people and not understanding, like, boundaries. And actually, to an extent, not understanding boundaries. She is very much, like, in your face, very much, like, kind of... Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That was smart. Mm-hmm. Um, like physically and I guess emotionally. Yeah. She's very there. <laughs> like very <laughs> close to people. She's very there. And part of that is actually literally being locked up in a tower. I don't know if they actually took that into account when you know thinking about her personality. But it actually mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But on the other side of things, I think the more obvious one people would talk about is when it comes to like Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. Which we can definitely see throughout Tangled, like her reluctance to kind of leave Mother Gothel despite all the awful things that she does. And even when she, you know, spoiler alert, when she falls to her doom, yeah. um, she she is still very upset. She is still... Yeah. And, and these aren't like bad qualities to have in a person. It is nice to have someone who is so endearing, so caring, even against someone who... Um, has essentially betrayed them their entire lives yeah, and lied to them, deceived them. But I think part of that is also because when she was taken from her parents, so for those who don't know, Rapunzel was stolen from her parents by Mother Gothel because her hair has magical powers and it was beneficial for Mother Gothel to have her. Yeah. And Rapunzel didn't know this most of her life until, well, the end of the film. Spoiler alert once again. <laughs> Spoiling the entire film for you. Um, so... Um, with Mother Gothel, I think the um, the very interesting thing about Mother Gothel is that when she revealed it, right, she she made it very clear she does not care about Rapunzel. Yeah. But Rapunzel still can't see past that. I think a part of her still sees her as a mother because I imagine, as, even though she knows who her real parents are, she hasn't built any kind of connection with them. When she was stolen, she was pretty much a baby. Yeah. So that's her mum. Unfortunately, essentially. But also, right? she doesn't know what real relationships are like. She doesn't. She's never seen a friendship or a different parental figure. That's all she has. So maybe in for her, that's very normal. She wouldn't question, "Is this how I should be being treated?" Because she doesn't know what alternatives there are. Yeah. So then, it's also like when it comes down to the Stockholm Syndrome side of things. It's like yes, it's like you know your captor, you still have this kind of a attachment to your captor yeah. or your kidnapper. But it's also very justifiable because in a sense, this was all she had. Yeah. That and her like 
Gecko or Chameleon? Pascal. Pascal. Pascal, Pascal. Chameleon. Yes, we got it in the end. Um, <laughs> that's actually very disappointing on my part. Um, and Yakis are not forming those kind of friendships and getting into, even stuff like, you know, getting into arguments, like, you know, yeah. have, being able to challenge something. She's never really had that ability. It's like the whole song at the beginning is Moderna's best. Yeah. You know, uh, but I think she always had that longing for something more because in the beginning of the film, it was like, when will my life begin? Game. She knew something was wrong. And even when she essentially, in a very tragic way, got what she wanted, it she couldn't really grasp it for a while. Yeah. Which is understandable. I mean, you've been locked in a tower for your entire life. So I'll cut you some slack. I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think there's also quite a lot of guilt. So mm. to Rapunzel, she has betrayed her mother. Her mother has said she can't go. She can't go to see the light. She can't leave the tower. It's for her own safety. And she rebels against that. And you can see, even when she's... Mm. That scene where she's she's left the tower for the first time and she's just running around going, this is amazing. Oh my God, I'm an awful person. Like, you can see how much she's struggling with having that freedom because she feels that loyalty to her mum and to the life she's been raised in, the parents she's been raised with. And she's trying to come to terms with what she wants is not the same as what her mum wants. And trying to figure out which to put first. Sounds like she needs some self-compassion. Self-compassion would go a long way, I think, with Rapunzel. Anyway, the next person <laughs> is definitely someone who I think could use some self-compassion too. So when we get into Lion King, a lot well, there's a lot of people you could talk about really and true. I think all of them could, you know, need some therapy in different oh, yeah. places. Um I think one that kind of comes to mind is obviously Simba. Clear, uh, especially more in that part where he literally runs away and is you know living his best life. Clear avoidance of you know. There's also feelings of guilt and obviously probably some PTSD with yeah. the nightmares of seeing Mufasa dying and thinking that it was his fault. But the main guy, the guy who really could have you know this could have been nipped in the bud and Mufasa would still be alive. Scar. Well, that's quite judgmental of Scar. I, in a way, had a soft spot for Scar. I'm not going to lie. You have, we've discussed this, you have issues. Because <laughs> you also said you liked Vegeta. Yes, because, okay, what I always feel for is people who have had really awful backgrounds or really traumatic upbringings. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, maybe they're not the nicest person. But they also try to kind of work through that. And okay. while okay, I know what you're going to say because Scar did not work through anything. He literally called his brother. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay, but I don't think he ever got the chance to be better, to choose differently. I get that, and I'm not here to you know uh, slate Scar um, entirely. <laughs> um, and I do get your point. I get exactly what you're saying because I also feel of people who have haven't had a chance to be the person that they could have been. Yeah. They feel like that opportunity is like very, very robbed of them. Um, but the thing is with Scar, and the thing is with anyone, I guess, in that kind of sense of things, is that there's a certain line. I think, I think killing your brother and then blaming your nephew and then trying to kill your nephew so you can be king of the Pride Lands is a bit far. But yeah, we kind of yeah, need to look at where that kind of could start from. So... I actually did some digging and I went back because I was like, I'm sure like Scar's name is not actually Scar. Like he had another name before the 
would hope incident so. with Scar. And to us, I tried to find out where he got a scar from, but there's so many other different things that there's so many different adaptations and the movie is different in the animated series and in the animated movies also different. So that's I'm gonna completely forget about that. <laughs> but Scar's name is actually Tucker. And in Swahili, that literally means like dirt or trash or waste. Aww. Mufasa literally means king. And the thing is about Lion King is they're very literal with everything. Like in Swahili, it literally says, here is a lion. Like no, no word of a lie. Like they're so literal with everything and everything has a purpose with the Lion okay. King. So with that in sense, Scar never had a chance. If that clear favoritism. The clear favoritism. Mufasa is the oldest, so he will always, in any monarchy, that person obviously becomes the king. Yeah. There was nothing else for him to really do. And I'm sure that from that very beginning, the um, feeling of inadequacy was not only shown like, in that upbringing, there must have been favoritism to Mufasa. And whilst everyone loves Mufasa, I'm sure there's things he didn't realise were going on in his family. And was like, maybe he could have done his little bit here and there to at least, you know, stick up for Scar, but you never know. That's me making assumptions. Now, the problem is, and this is where things start to go in a bit to overdrive, is when Simba's born. Because the thing is with Mufasa, is that Scar has tried to take the phone a few times, but then he just realised, if I just kill Mufasa, problem solved right he probably had that thought quite a few times in his life but then when Simba comes up it's like even if I kill him the son becomes king so now I'm in trouble so he's like I need to act quick and that's when obviously he kills Mufasa but why does he feel like he has to be king because he's never had anything yeah maybe not never but as far as the film goes he had nothing he was miserable he had no friends probably be pushed some people away but he had no friends he had this constant feeling of probably inadequacy that probably stemmed from his name literally meaning trash or waste. He probably never had someone really telling him, oh, you know, you got what his good qualities are. Yeah, like positive reinforcement in a way. I mean, even when you look at the people he hangs around with, there's a lot of like fear and intimidation that he uses. So what if that's because he doesn't really feel in control? He feels like the only way to have friendships maybe is by forcing people or you know ruling over well i feel like when you have so much feeling of inadequacy that can often turn into resentment i think or like jealousy and that kind of like was why everyone says you know pride is a devil because when you have so much pride it kind of blinds you it kind of gets to a point where you when you have no reinforcement and you're such a prideful person it just turns into resentment jealousy and you know plotting and stuff but then the thing is with Scar is that he shows kind of like very antisocial traits he does he definitely does uh but that is mainly because I I don't think he ever had a chance to really be social yeah you know there's lots of like you said intimidation you could argue uh unstable relationships because he doesn't he's not able to form a bond with anyone you know, very, very impulsive, very conniving, doesn't really care about the consequences to anybody yeah. else as long as he... It, it feels like to me Scar is searching for something that even if he was king, he would eventually get bored. But this is not what I want. Yeah, He's searching for something deeper. I think we even see that in the movie. Like, So he finally gets to be king, but then he's still 
you know, hanging out with the hyenas. He's still kind of in the shadows. He's not really, I guess, what we would expect a king to be. I think he wanted to be loved. I think he wanted to be loved. And that's what he was really jealous of in terms of Mufasa, the fact that everyone loved favoured him. Even their parents. Yeah, I mean, the- they name one kid king and the other one trash. And, you know, you may go, okay, so why... Why is Trash grown up to be such an awful person? Why well, is, maybe because he wasn't loved. Why is Trash trash? Why is Trash <laughs> trash? Because he wasn't loved. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to have Scar in the therapy seat. I don't actually know... How it would go. Or how it would start, or he would probably just eat me, to be fair. Like, you're just, <laughs> why are you just talking? Throw you off a cliff. If I could get Scar into therapy, I really just think he'd probably just eat me, and then that would be it, really. I... I think I would struggle in a therapy setting with Scar. You don't think he'd be eaten? Well, okay, let's say that he doesn't want to eat me for whatever reason. Even doing therapy with him, I think would be very difficult because I don't think he'd be willing to accept kind of the things he went through or the fact that he does act like a dick. The thing is, I think I'd make Scar cry and because he's like, you see me cry, he'd eat me. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) This other one... One of my favourite characters. He's a good character, isn't he? Very problematic, though. Oh. Very problematic. Problematic king. Uh, Mr. K-U-Z-C-O, uh, Cusco, <laughs> Emperor's New Groove. And so basically, Cusco, for those of you who haven't seen Emperor's New Groove, shame on you. Yep, you um, should see it once in a lifetime. Emperor, Emperor's New Groove is about, well, mainly about Cusco, who is the emperor of whatever he is. Where, what is the place called? You know, I can't remember. I've actually... Maybe I've never known. Maybe it does have a name. I'm sure it has a... No, it does have a name. It's a big kingdom. That's all we know. He is the emperor of this unnamed kingdom. (laughs) Uh, But he is a bit entitled. He is a bit of a narcissist. A bit. I'm being nice. (laughs) He said I was being too too harsh on Scar, so I'm trying to turn it down, you know? fair enough. Um, But he's... Yeah, he's a narcissist, man, pretty much. Um, And he's kind of shown the inability to keep or form stable relationships because even the, I guess, servants in the palace treat them like shit. I mean, his head advisor wants to poison him. That could be a big clue, maybe. Oh, really? I did not notice that, you know, in the whole film. It's not like the central plot point at all. Not at all. No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Central advisor being Yzma um, literally wants to end him. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Just get him killed. The only reason that they don't is because they got the wrong potions. And he turned them into a llama. Uh, so that kind of shows his relationship he has with people in the palace. And the only reason why he does improve and become a marginally better person is because he got turned into a llama and had, like, the most traumatic experience he could probably have as a llama, but avoiding death on multiple occasions. But even then, you can still see that there are things that are still wrong he still doesn't understand the concept of really doing the right things to benefit somebody else yeah the only reason i think he understands that now is because parcher the guy who basically saves his life the nicest guy in the world has done so much for him he then feels like he must repay him i don't think it becomes a thing of he naturally becomes a nice person per se i'm not sure he'd treat everyone like he would treat parcher i think he he owes parcher he hasn't had to rely on anyone else before because he's always been the one calling the shots. He's always been the one in control. Mm. 
so when he's put in a position where he has to rely on someone else because he is a llama and can't do anything. When you I think, think about it, this is such a funny thing to explain. It's brilliant, isn't he, it? Because he's a llama. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like now he's been put in that situation, he now kind of like has to. Would it be... Okay, so let me start from the beginning. Because yeah. I, I tried to find stuff about his parents and there's mm, conflicting information as well. But there's a theory, for example, they were killed by Yeezman, for example. But let's just say they died for whatever reasons when he was quite young. Yeah. Because he is quite a young emperor as well, so it wouldn't be out of the question. Kind of not having, being able to develop, you know, healthy attachment or natural attachment. Yeah. The lack thereof. And you can see from his interaction with Parcha, you know, signs of an anxious attachment style. I would think that too, actually. Like, very anxious and willing to kind of be away from Pacha but also a kind of unwillingness to admit that that's what he needs yes there's almost that kind of inner conflict of I need to rely on this person but I can't I remember when there's always that big big part of a Disney film where there's a then the two people who are working together getting into an argument and they're parting ways storm off and he still doesn't want to admit that he's wrong but he's like so but he kind of storms off like, fine, I don't need you anyway. And then he's like, but I, 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 I do. do. And that is where it's like, yes, he does learn that towards the end. But I feel like Partridge fills the role of the father figure he never had. He doesn't really learn to be a necessarily better person. I actually think, because Partridge's leader of his village, isn't he? Yeah. That they are actually used to contrast each other. So Partridge is mm. like... I like that idea. Both ends of the spectrum, essentially. Someone who is really down with the people and very approachable and probably a bit self-sacrificing. Yeah. Versus Cusco, who's literally like, yeah, I'm the emperor. Very right? self-centered, Who's being fed grapes on his throne. Yeah. Albeit, Cusco's empire is a lot more, and his palace is a lot more glamorous, you know, shiny, gold everywhere, and there's a lot more money in it. But I think it is quite a quite a contrast in a lot of different yeah. ways but I also think there's a point in the movie where Cusco is quite jealous of Parcha's way of life that even though it's simple and you know there's no grapes or like big fancy thrones he's loved and I think so you don't think that's similar to Scar in a sense then I do think so actually I was just thinking that that even when you look at Yzma so if we're assuming that Cusco's parents died when he was young who was he raised by well his grand advisor Yzma and what is she like she is also very self-centered very you know how is this going to benefit me so can you really blame Cusco for growing up the same way no. and even as a Uh-oh. king he's you know has to solve problems he has to you know run his kingdom everyone's kind of fawning at his feet I just realised the reason why he meets Parcha is because he's trying to knock down the village isn't he like he's trying to, yeah like... <laughs> there we go because he wants to build like a um, like a swimming pool a or something or a resort or something I yeah. just <laughs> I think like a, a water yeah, resort or something like Cusco-topia <laughs> that's that's it <laughs> so he wants to knock down Parcha's village to make his own like fun day out really but then he just makes it somewhere else, I swear, at the end. So it's yeah. like, has he re- Anyway. <laughs> Maybe we could say that he's never redeemed himself. I think he has definitely improved and grown as a person. I think it's also about giving someone time to improve. Yeah. I mean, but the film came out like 21 years ago, so I hope he's improved by now. Oh, we should keep our fingers crossed. This is, he might be, mar- oh God, that's a... I think in like a therapy setting, it would be more like... 
because he's already started that kind of change pro process so maybe like self-improvement but in a very kind of what am i trying to say well, like, like a cbt type thing yeah like almost a... like kind of seeing what he's doing and why like where it's coming from and then kind of better ways of moving forward and well i mean compared to the others um it's not like he's actually out there killing people and this is yeah see the first no second protagonist we've talking about the urgency for therapy isn't as high as i'd say some of the others are i mean one's killing you know practically sending babies on a death sentence the other is killing their brother i mean rapunzel's just out here being a princess really now at this point yeah but i think for Cusco and rapunzel Maybe similar levels of urgency, but I think Maybe. Rapunzel's, um, I guess the, I guess Rapunzel's issues, I guess in terms of like the family side of things. Yeah, but also the vulnerability. Like I think she'd be very vulnerable to exploitation. So can Cusco actually. I think his yeah. kind of like, he's kind of like, it's just me. I've got this. I figured it out. Kind of yeah. thing. And she's just more just very naive and very like. But I think gullible in that sense. Both could be easily manipulated. Yeah. And in fact, we do see that with Cusco. You like do. When, um, That's actually how it gets on to Lama in the first place. Yeah, because but I guess he's that is trusting. Also, but it was also his grand advisor. Why would you try to kill me? That's my grand advisor. Yeah. He doesn't realise he's being a dick. <laughs> he doesn't realise she's a, the, quite a big dick as well, to be honest. <clears throat> he just assumes that everyone loves him, so they always have his best interests at heart. He's not aware of how his behaviour really affects others. So that could be a discussion to have. Maybe he's just having one big psychotic episode. Oh my god, have we cracked Emperor's New Groove? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think anyone has. I think I think Disney themselves don't even know what the hell they were doing when they did that film. But that's why it's such a great movie and everyone should watch it. And it's got great art style if yes. you're into that kind of thing. And good songs, like it's got everything you need. Oh yeah, that opening song is our oh, anyway. Amazing. Basically, this episode should be why you should watch Emperor's New Groove. And every Disney film probably mentioned. <laughs> I could go into like Sleeping Beauty has its, has its charm. Yeah. Lion King is legendary. Tangled is I think of the more recent ones really really one of the best ones. I it's think in the so last heartwarming. In the last ten years, probably one of the best ones. Yes, and beautiful songs. It is personally my favorite. And. I don't say that lightly. But we are actually moving on to one of my favourite characters, which says a lot about me because she's like actually extremely problematic. <laughs> I actually used to have a crush on this character. I'm not surprised by that at all, actually. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You just give off those vibes. Okay. Um, Tinkerbell from Peter Pan. Yep. Uh, another <laughs> film from the 1950s. I believe it is 1953. Um, so my problematic queen, really, my very problematic queen. Yeah. Um, now, before I go into Tinkerbell, because I think there's a tendency, especially sometimes in a clinical sense, to be kind of blaming. So it's like, ah, oh, you kind of you know that there's kind of pre-existing conditions as to why someone is why they are or why they are doing things they do. We kind of look at it like, oh, but they're the ones doing the thing. But it's like, yes, but you have to give yeah. the person before some accountability. So Peter Pan. He's your typical stupid boy. Like, you know when a girl's like, women are like, oh, you're just a boy, like, you're just a man, you don't get it. That is literally Peter Pan. That is. He, he's just very oblivious. He very... That's exactly the word I was looking for. I didn't put it down, but he is literally oblivious. so aloof and childish and he's kind, but it's misplaced kindness sometimes. sometimes. He is heroic, but it, that also comes at the cost of being stupidly brave. He's yeah. messy and extremely kind of optimistic. 
I th- to the point that's dangerous. Yeah. I think, again, he, he isn't very aware of how his actions affect others. Because consistently, the way he treats Tinkerbell, even the way he treats Wendy and the Lost Boys, he's not really looking at the consequences for them. He's just like, oh, well, it's my time to have fun and I want to do this. He is a main character syndrome. He is, isn't he? But because of that, he invalidates a lot of Tinkerbell's feelings. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of women make this joke that like, I'm literally Tinkerbell. If you don't give me attention, I'll die. Like, <laughs> and I guess that is the main perception of her character yeah. but when you look at it and I, I mean don't get me wrong her jealousy is a problem like especially towards Wendy because she literally called her a big ugly girl <laughs> which is not, not very kind not very nice she literally told the Lost Boys to shoot down the Wendy bird because Peter Pan yeah. said so she doesn't feel like she compares to her she almost feels like Peter is going to abandon her yeah. For this new, you know, good-looking young girl that's his height or, like, a regular size. <laughs> a regular size. Because he's just, she's a little pixie. And she knows that even though she has all these feelings of magic... Uh, feelings? All these powers of, like, magic and that pixie dust and she can do all these things. That she doesn't feel good enough. She doesn't feel good enough. She can't compare with this with Wendy Darling. And that's how she feels. Yeah. But because of this, she does very impulsive things to get his attention. Like, you know, intense anger. But, you know, it's obviously heightened by the fact that she literally turns red when she gets angry <laughs> I know red. I know people do that but her whole body goes red and steam shoots out of her ears I'm pretty sure it's obviously very animated <laughs> and these obviously aren't very healthy yeah. behaviours and to obviously put things in perspective as well she literally is on the brink of death and she comes back to life because Peter Pan told her how important she is now obviously in the film that's very cute in a real life sense the, the message though it's not very healthy, is it? No. You should never be relying on a man for your, you know, self-validation. Yeah, but she she, she really actually does. is in dire need of self-compassion. I yes. think more than anybody else, I think she probably feels herself she probably feels the most inadequate. Yeah. And I guess you can see that because well, when you think about it, she only has Peter. Like, yeah, they're, they're the lost boys, but the only people we see her interacting with is him and Hook. And it's almost like when Peter's not, you know, validating her feelings and being there for her when he's lost interest and he's gone off to Wendy, who does she turn to? Hook, which is a very problematic character as well. But she's looking for that validation that, you know, her sense of self from someone else. And that's where it becomes a problem because the only reason why, well, not the only reason, Hook was able to capture her because he was like, are you lost? You know, kind of giving I'll her... I'll take care of you. That kind of, like, false sense of security. Yeah. Which was so easy for her to get, despite knowing that's obviously the main villain. You know, who trusts a villain? Yeah. Man? I mean, I probably would with her once or twice. But... <laughs> what, one with a hook for a hand? Probably not. Yeah. I feel bad. Got, I mean, I do feel bad as well. He got eaten by the... Crocodile. Uh, alligator? Crocodile. 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 I'm going crocodile. The more you say it, it doesn't make it the correct answer. You realise that, right? I mean, no. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think I'm going a crocodile. What? I'm I'm slapping it in. I'm buzzing it in. I'll say alligator just to prove you wrong. Then. No. <laughs> but Very big tangent t- there. TikTok the croc. But yeah, the main thing with Tinkerbell is that I think, actually, now that I think about it, 
as especially this is 1953, take what I say with a pinch of salt. Yeah. I think this is kind of like male writers making a very stereotypical portrayal of a woman. I suppose I could. But I do think that obviously we don't have any real background information to think about like we do with some of the others. So it's hard to kind of say where did that really start from. But she's not a bad person. I mean, she literally risked her life to save Peter Pan from the bomb that they'd put yeah. in the treehouse. She has a lot of good qualities. It's more the fact of the problem really is you let your good kind of qualities be overshadowed by the negative, the negativity that comes from you know caring about someone or not caring enough about yourself. Being selfless is great, but being self-sacrificing is a different um, kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. And I mean, this is very rich coming from me, but she could definitely use some some self-compassion. I definitely think so. I think just being able to believe in herself a bit more and give herself worth outside of Peter would be, would go so far into kind of helping her just maybe a little bit of self-acceptance as well and just mm, kind of possibly. seeing her own value. Yeah. And I guess some of it is like just probably thinking a bit more before she, before she acts. Yeah. Very, very impulsive. Very. I did see one um, like I was reading like a blog that kind of like post on like Tinkerbell and stuff and someone actually said she shows some traits of BPD borderline ooh I, I could see that actually like the turbulent emotions the impulsivity whilst I'm not a hundred percent convinced I think definitely impulsivity um, links to BPD and I guess the inability to control her emotions but I guess it's very hard when your emotions literally show yeah. Uh, steam and redness and but you do see her her world just lights up when Peter Pan is around and whilst that is cute to a degree it's not 1953 anymore this is true you don't need to be impressing guys like that especially I can't lie Peter Pan is not the type of guy that you want to be want to be messing around with man he is you, and you know what maybe he needs I think they I think arguably if they were a couple I say this oh would be couple, I just, this would be very destructive, really couples therapy. Very destructive. But I do think he would probably need to go as well. I definitely think so. I think in like a, an actual setting, he would be the sort of person who this may come across as quite stereotypical, but like would stay out late, he wouldn't care about his partner, he would just be focusing on himself and what he wants to do rather than realizing a relationship is two people. So I think a lot of issues would arise with that. I think I definitely agree. So couples therapy could be a very good way to go for them. Then again, you know, there's Peter Pan syndrome. That is a thing. Kind of uh, not stay young forever kind of thing. Kind of thing. Um, I don't know if it's really considered a mental condition per se, but I think it's more of like a phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. I no, don't no think it's a whatsoever. very functional lifestyle. That's the issue. I completely disagree. I think it's great. But no man is an island. That is a quote from somewhere and I can't remember where. It's probably a quote from many places. I think it's just one of those quotes and no one knows where yeah, it came from. But it's, it's used in like every film. Yeah, or like every book. But it's true, like Peter Pan can't just live only for himself because his actions do have consequences for others. Especially because he takes it upon himself to... He, he has great qualities. You know, you want to be a leader. You are... You gave the Lost Boys purpose. Yeah. You're doing great things, but then that comes with great responsibility. Yeah. Like, is he teaching these boys the right... That's the thing as well. He has an impression on these younger younger boys because yeah. 
they look up to him. And that's where the problems kind of come in. And if you look at what he's really teaching them, like, you know, it's okay to just go off and cut people's hands off and feed them to crocodiles. And, you know, you don't have to care about what anyone else thinks or feels. Just do you. Which, while I agree it's a positive message and people should, you know, do what makes them happy, I don't think that should be at the expense of everyone else's sadness or, you know, loss of limbs. So... Misplaced. Misplaced. Yes, which is exactly what you said, that he's he's got good qualities, they're just misplaced. Exactly. So, let me think. Of all of these people, who would you like... If you were a therapist or mm. clinical psychologist at that point, you're any type of therapist, who would you like out of these five? What, to walk in? Who would you want? Hmm. For whatever reason, either the hardest or the most difficult or, you, or the easiest, whatever... Who would you want and why? I think... Ooh, I think maybe Maleficent. Because I think there's a lot of self-compassion that's needed. But also, it'd be quite interesting to maybe tackle, like, her understanding of her impulsivity, whether she has any understanding of her impulsivity. Right, a kind of assessing her self-awareness. Yeah. Like, I think that could be quite interesting, coupled with the self-compassion, which is something I'm very interested in anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that makes her a very in-depth, detailed person to have in therapy. And I, I would be quite interested to see how that would go. Okay. What about you, Jade? Do you have any ideas? I do indeed. Okay, off Think- you go. Tinkerbell. Why is that? I think the reason why... <laughs> I really want it to be Tinkerbell is because I think a part of it is I've worked with people who have similar tendencies and I've been able to kind of work quite well with them. Yeah, that's build, true. I'm, I think it's easier for me to build relationships with those kind of people. But I also think that with the traits that she has, I feel like I would, it would be difficult enough that I feel like, not to kind of put people on a scale, be, I don't want to just pick the easiest one for the sake of it. Um, or the one that I feel like is the most straightforward, I am actually very intrigued in exploring how she sees herself and how much self-awareness she has. And also Mm. being able to kind of walk down a path with her and seeing her improve would give me a lot of satisfaction. If she was in a place where she was kind of willing to do all the work and and make all the changes, I think you would start to see a huge difference quite quickly and that could be very rewarding for both you and Tinkerbell I feel like I could probably make the biggest difference with Tinkerbell yeah is what I think anyway do you have any ideas as to who would be the most challenging for you to have in therapy Scar because I'd I'd ask him why he killed Mufasa (laughs) 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 Um, actually let me think um, because if we use the Maleficent um, Angelina Jolie movies as a kind of guide to her personality and what she's been through, mm-hmm. I feel like I still think I could work quite well with Maleficent. And yeah. I would like to. I feel like even though she would be kind of avoidant, probably not into it at first, doesn't really want to, that hasn't stopped me me in the past from being able to build a therapeutic relationship and you know it may may take longer but I think it would be quite a strong therapeutic relationship once it was built 
with Scar, there is obviously the possibility they could kill me, but the possibility <laughs> is also with Maleficent, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of anger, I guess, with both characters. I feel like I would struggle because Scar hasn't shown to have any sympathy. Probably as yeah. a child or whatever. But, and that's where we would kind of struggle because I wouldn't know where to kind of begin to motivate him to even want to come to therapy. And yeah. then it's like, how can I motivate you to want to change if you don't see any upside for yourself, essentially? I know, I think that would be the biggest challenge for me as well, is getting him to a point where he's willing to consider changing or even willing to look into his actions and into his emotions. I feel like there'd be a lot of resistance there, but in a way it is very urgent for Scar. But I think, I don't think just anyone could do therapy with him. I think you'd be, need to be very experienced, especially with the kind of antisocial side mm. and the narcissistic side that comes through. He needs to develop some awareness of, you know, that before anything else can kind of be addressed. So I think he'd be a very challenging client, but maybe in the same way, very rewarding. Once you make breakthroughs, they are probably going to feel amazing. And probably for him as well. Like it could make a massive difference. It, it will really take a long could. time. Probably. Yeah. Long term work, but the the outcomes would be very beneficial to both the therapist and to Scar, I think. I think so too. This has been a fun topic, hasn't it? This has really been a fun topic. We need to do this one again. You're welcome. Thank you, Judith. I yes. hope you guys have all enjoyed it. Um we'll probably do this again at some point, hopefully. Um, I love talking about Disney so any excuse to talk about Disney I will oh. I promise you I will just integrate it as much as I can don't even <laughs> worry about that and thank you Eleanor for being here thank you for having me and if you guys have any ideas about any you know Disney characters you think need therapy or anyone you would like to see us discuss please let us know it'd Probably. be interesting to have your guys' opinions yep and until next time we'll see you later bye bye